Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Tom and Rebecca on the line. This is going to be a great conversation. So Tom and Rebecca, how are you today? Okay, thank you. Well, thank you. Good, good. We're looking forward to this conversation for a while. You run a wellness organization that has a pretty specific focus. So why don't, why don't you share a little bit about the organization and, and we'll dive right into the conversation. Sure. Um, so I'm Rebecca. So Warren Wellness MD is a physician and PA run organization, and it initially started during COVID, just helping to keep, I think, our sanity as clinicians. And then it's kind of expanded to where we provide continuing education for healthcare professionals that need CME hours, but we do them primarily focused on mental wellness with the goal of adding adventure and family uh, options to it as well. It's so critically important. And then as you both know, I used to work in healthcare for quite a long time. And I've been thinking a lot about my former colleagues over these last couple of years, because I know the healthcare sector as a whole is one that struggles with a lot of burnout, physician burnout, clinician burnout, and administrative burnout. And, and even in my own journey of my burnout as a healthcare executive, yeah, I know those problems were persistent. Then we throw in a pandemic and wow, it just the numbers I was seeing, you know, the countless hours. And again, with everything, you know, and especially during the lockdown, you know, most things being closed up or you have to order in or things like that. The one area that wasn't closed was healthcare. And they were overwhelmed in some areas to the point of, in certain areas, they were bringing in health professionals from other areas or across the globe to help out just because the numbers that were being seen uh, were just absolutely mind-boggling. And, you know, the stress of it all uh, is just so humongous. And I, again, I feel really horrible for everyone that's had to endure, you know, this pandemic from a healthcare standpoint, because they're the go-to. There, you know, that's where everybody was sent either to get you know treated, uh, hooked up to ventilators, or vaccinated, or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, you know, what were some of the things that you were seeing, you know, with your colleagues, uh, especially over these last couple of years? Um, so, me specifically, and I'll let uh, Tom talk as well. So, me specifically, I was working on the COVID unit when all of this kind of started. I work in the hospital as a hospitalist, and so by default, all of these patients you hear about on the news were coming to see me or one of my colleagues. And then inevitably, a lot of them would end up in the ICU, which I didn't take care of the ICU ones at our hospital specifically. But um, I saw a lot of uh, fear and chaos and trying to manage a, a huge society. You feel the burden on your shoulders, not just of your patients, because your patients are seeing this provider come in who's wearing plastic, there's no humanism to it. We come in the room, we basically are having to come in and out because they say if you're exposed for more than just a few minutes, even if you have plastic, you're going to end up getting COVID and dying. So you're like, oh, great. You know, so you're like, tell me real quick what you need. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Bye. And then, you know, there's no family visitors. And so 
you're carrying the weight of the illness of the patient. And as a clinician, you hear we have limited data because it's such a new thing. And then this is back, this is back when it started. It's a little bit different now, but that you have the weight of the families because they're terrified. They can't see their loved ones. They don't know what's going on. So they're terrified talking to you. And then even in the beginning, the people in the hospital that weren't on the COVID unit were like, oh, we can't hang out with you. You're going to have to go to your corner. And so you're very isolated. So not only were you isolated from everyone, but you're also isolated by your colleagues that weren't caring for the COVID patients. And then you go home and are more isolated because they're on quarantine. And so (laughs) it's a lot of isolation in the beginning. Fear led to a lot of reactive decisions, which led to a lot of um, kind of after effects that we're still seeing the wave of. Um, It's gotten a little bit better with the numbers going down, but there's still a lot of effects from that secondary trauma that we were all just hounded with nonstop. And Tom, your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it definitely was a uh, potentially overwhelming situation. Um, I was actually thinking uh, if if there was an upside, um, I actually, I guess, was the recipient of that um, was actually this, the mode with which we're using right now, you know, which is the, uh, virtual technology. So, you know, the ability to see a physician or a provider, you know, by virtually was, oh, it was kind of in, on, on the back burner, you know? Um, but boy, I tell you what, when, when this hit, it really pushed that to the fore, you know, and, and, I, and I think it's something that, uh, that people want, you know, I mean, it, it's not uh, applicable for everything, um, but um, I, I think it, it's, it has been a useful resource, you know, that was definitely propelled forward by the pandemic. So, silver lining, maybe. Yeah, in Ontario, where I spend uh, quite a bit of time prior to COVID, in the way that you know, physicians are compensated in, in Canada and in, in the Ontario government is they bill the government instead of billing an insurance company. And of course, there's billing codes like you would have in the States and, and whatnot. But as far as virtual visits were concerned, the compensation that the physicians were paid uh, at the time was noticeably less than if the patient was physically in the same room with them. Well, one of the things that the government did right away once this all got squared away was, okay, we need to change that immediately. And uh, I know it's a shock, but sometimes governments can move really, really fast. And they did on that matter to make sure, okay, we need to establish virtual connections. The physicians are going to be compensated properly uh, for the work that they're doing. doesn't matter if the patient's in the same room or across a a camera. Uh, And that expedited a lot of things and made things better. And of course, you know, now that is something like you had mentioned, a lot of patients want, and there's certain things that make sense, you know, for, you know, personal story, you know, I, as a former cardiac, or actually I'm always going to be a cardiac patient because of my cardiac event that I had back in 2009, I have a checkup with my cardiologist going in for a stress test. And then we're going to have a, you know, a virtual follow-up the week after. So I don't have to go to his clinic to sit in the room. We're going to have a chat 
across the screen and we're going to, he's going to go over the results. Uh, everything should check out fine. Um, I'm anticipating, but if something's amiss, then, then we can address it accordingly. But ultimately that saves me as a patient yeah. time that also saves administrative time for someone at the reception desk to check me in. I'm sitting in the waiting room and, you know, again, you know, even though we're, we're kind of hopefully towards the tail end of COVID, you know, cases are still there and, you know, minimizes exposure to certain things and it keeps a lot of people safe. So again, that type of situation makes sense. You know, if it's something where you literally have to see, you know, down their throat or something like that. Most people don't have medical equipment at home where they can say, okay, say, ah, you know, and, and, you know, unless they've got a popsicle stick, they can use this tongue depressor maybe, but you know, it may be one day. I mean, Amazon sells everything. So people could do that too, but ultimately, you know, there's certain things that, you know, virtual visits can, can help out, which, Increases access to care too. I mean, that's a you know bigger discussion for you know areas that have difficulty, you know, rural areas for sure that you know don't have access to uh, as many healthcare providers as you know, more you know urban settings do. So it it has a potential to increase access to care. But you know, going back to you know kind of the framework of the stress and and the burnout of things like that. With all of this, it birthed your organization of and. You know, it's one of those things where I, I like to say, and a good colleague of mine, Mark, you know, tells me this phrase quite a bit, it's a tragedy creates opportunity. And you saw an opportunity that, you know, there needed to be some type of resource for healthcare providers to be able to address their wellness and help with stress and all of that. So, uh, you know, when did the idea come about? I'm sure it was obviously during the pandemic, unless you were thinking about it beforehand, but, you know, what were some of the lessons that you, you picked up along the way as you launched your organization? Yeah, so we started, and this was probably more for my mental wellness, if you will, but um, we started in the very beginning, just having this Facebook Live from our bedrooms. I mean, not his and mine, but two separate houses because we're quarantined and I have kids. And so it's very crude. You can even go on the website. All the videos are there. Kind of awkward, whatever it's like for my bed. But we would talk about whatever, um, you know, it was mindfulness or meditation or exercise. And we, and we did. Um, they're, they're pretty solid conversations, not just conversations, but PowerPoint presentations on the physiology of exercise and stuff like that. So we did it every Tuesday. And then that kind of led to um, kind of a realization that my colleagues, there's probably 70 or 80 between physicians and, um, you know, PAs, nurse practitioners, things that were just in our department that were talking about just not really being able to deal with how to process what was going on. And so we streamlined it more to, well, why don't we provide continuing education for this? Because we have to get hours every year and we're given money to get hours. So not a lot of, you know, healthcare professionals like, hey, let's go talk about how traumatized I am from everything that we deal with. But if you say, hey, we're going to go on a 200 mile bike ride over six days and we'll throw in some discussion of burnout, how to deal with it, how to make your work-life balance a little bit better. Maybe a biker would be more inclined to go on that retreat or workshop. And the same with the beach one that we're having coming up. If we say, hey, bring your family to this. We're going to give you the afternoons where you can hang out with the family. We know that you're taken away from your family a lot. 
but we're going to give you some resources that can help you and your family, you and your family, which is just as important, the people that you come home to, resources to deal with it. Um, so we ended up getting credentialed and it's through the Texas Medical Association, but we can use our uh, education opportunity as well, not just in Texas. Uh, there are some stipulations, but really it's for anyone that that needs to get the CME hours. So That's a great usage of CME hours because often yes. it was... Okay, go to this conference hall, and you've got this big room of you know eight thousand people in it, mm -hmm. and they'll they'll feed you the steak dinner and all the good stuff. But then you know you're sitting in you know a conference room and listening, and okay, here's the latest development on this and that, and you know mm -hmm. of course it's it's educating you on what's what's going out on there, but. You know, I, I, if if I were a physician and I had my choice, you know, I would say, you know what, beach in Florida sounds really good. And yeah. yes, I can bring the fam and, you know, they're going to be ecstatic because they're like a vacation. You know, while you're, you know, learning about some things, you can send them to, you know, one of the amusement parks or they can play at the beach or the resort, wherever it happens to be. And mm -hmm. everyone's happy. They're like, oh, that was a great trip. And of course, the doctor's going, well, at least you have the afternoon to be able to enjoy that too. Yeah. And because a lot of times those types of things, they're all day. I remember this is years and years ago when my oldest was six months old, I was sent out uh, for a two week training session out in San Diego. And, oh, wow. yeah. and my, my former wife and my um, six month old, you know, had an absolutely amazing two week vacation. <laughs> you know, there's beach pictures. They went to the ocean. They, they, they just you know, went shopping. They had a great time. You know, I'm inside a, a sitting a, in the room. <laughs> I'm sitting in this room getting trained on this asset management software platform. You know, it's like, of course, that was before YouTube, but like, you know, I could, this could have been just done with videos. I could have watched them and, and been outside okay. and did all that. But, you know, we, we they had a blast. I, 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 you know, I had I had the evenings and the weekends, so it wasn't a complete write off, but it was still one of those things where it's like, yeah, when you bring the family on conferences, like, are you actually going to get to see them? But sometimes, like you said, you know, it's well, here, let's go on a trip. It's paid for anyway. Let's you know, I had the couple extra tickets, and you guys can get some real vitamin D and play in the sand, and and yeah. while while I'm learning about burnout prevention, which again is uh, critically important to this sector for sure. Absolutely. And the, I think the big thing is part of what contributes to this kind of overwhelm with healthcare professionals is there are so many hours that are being worked that you're already being pulled from family. And so you don't really want to go to something and leave your family again, you know, because it's work-life balances. That's not promoting a work-life balance. That's just continuing what's already leading to some of it. So. Yeah, the increased compliance measures, of course, you know, with the Affordable Health Care Act, I know there was a ton of additional documentation that was required with that. Mm -hmm. I, I worked I worked with a physician that practiced in the States for a long time before they came to Canada. And, you know, he told he was running a, a huge uh, medical facility just outside of Indianapolis. And he said his and he worked there for about 10 years. And he said the best month of billing that he ever got is that they were able to collect about 65% of what they built. And it was just like a one-off type of thing. It's like, well, too bad you couldn't replicate that. Cause I know there's just constant chasing yeah. that, you know, of course, charting, of course, you know, you, you want to make some notes. And of course, with the volume of people you need to see, then you have to, you know, of course, document everything in the chart, 
used to be paper. Now it's electronic records, which the first, you know, I'm not even going to get on that rabbit hole of a disaster. That's that that a favorite is. discussion. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's, it's so funny because, and I used to work in software for a long time in a couple different types of industries. And it, it always alarmed me that when they were designing these things that they didn't bother actually talking with the people that were actually going to use the system until about, you know, the, the last tenth of the mile of the race. It's like, uh, maybe we should have had those stakeholders in at the beginning because that's not how physician-patient interaction even goes. And of course, that can vary. You know, there's variances and of, you know, how you practice medicine compared to Tom, compared to other people. Same principles, of course, but how you approach things, you may say, you know what, I'm going to, let's do this. I'm going to do this body of work first, and then I'll go back and, and chart. And yes. you know, sometimes it's like, okay, where do I click this? And of course, because it's a compensation-based activity as well, so you have to make sure that you're clicking the right checkboxes because otherwise that item that you would get, we'll say $200 for, if you check the wrong box, you're getting $50. You do that, you know, a thousand times a month. Uh, well, yeah, it, that that's not going to be fun. So, and, and again, I'm not a physician, but I know all the problems I heard about it, believe me, you know, and, uh, and, and some words that I'm not going to share on this show, but you know, we, I heard them all. Uh, so it's, yeah, it, I know. I, I do feel your pain. Uh, it's, it's definitely something like that. So, so these retreats, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you're looking forward to them. If they, you know, I don't know if they've happened yet, but I know they're coming up pretty soon. You know, what's been some of the feedback that you've got so far from you know the people that are signing up to go? You know, I'm, I'm sure they're pretty excited about it. Yeah, we. Uh, so the ones that we've had so far, we've done some smaller ones just because it took a while to get the credentialing in place. It takes about a year, and the ones we've had, we actually have had almost a hundred percent of the people that have attended come back to our follow-ups because we do a monthly follow-up for about four to six months with each one. And we just, it's more of a check-in. How are things going? What are some challenges you've had implementing the information? And then it's, it's really just a time to chat and collaborate with the people again, but people, you know, when you have meetings at work, I can't say I attend every meeting that I <laughs> that I'm supposed to, uh, but these people have come to every meeting, and I really think it's because they're finding they found something that's investing in them that they know can help with their day to day and really just improve some of these symptoms of burnout or whatever you want to call it. But this overwhelm that we're having, stress management, coping skills, and all of that. And we've asked, we just recently had one, and the feedback was this literally changed my entire life. There was, we've, we do have the ability actually to not just do group conferences, but we can do one-on-one it's called, it's continuing education. But if it's somebody is really wanting to say, Hey, I need focused education on coping skills or stress management in my, because I'm a surgeon and everything is so intense all the time or whatever it is. It's actually continuing education. There's, we can do it as long as it's within the guidelines of what we're supposed to be providing from a standardization area, but we can do that. And so some of these larger groups have turned into kind of a smaller group environment or even individual. And it's really actually given a new meaning to medicine and a new meaning to why they go to work. And it's been remarkable just seeing 
how it is. And also I've seen, we just recently had one where one of the older physicians kind of took on a mentorship with one of the younger physicians that was struggling. And it's, it's just really see it, cool to see these kind of bonds and huge ripple effects is what it is because they probably didn't know that was going to happen when they came to this event, but it's been really cool. And Tom, Tom's about to do a bike ride. I know he's really excited about it on his. Yeah, you know, it, it's um, the, the, the stress or whatever, you know, it's, it seems like the um, kind of the natural response is to retreat and oscillate. Um, and uh, ironically, that's probably the worst thing that you could do, you know. And so I think that, um, you know, that the, um, the meetings, the talks, whatever, you know, they, 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 they allow, like Rebecca said, a bond, you know, it's a connection. And it's that, it, and it's that interpersonal engagement, you know, the relationship can develop that as it is actually therapeutic. I mean, it's not magic, you know, um, so. It's reconnecting. And unfortunately for so many of us, we, we all became isolated uh, during this pandemic and healthcare, especially and in many industries, but especially with healthcare professionals, there is many times where you actually feel like you're all alone in doing this work. Even though you've got peers, you know that could be in your building. Um, you could, you know, there could be hundreds of PAs and physicians and nurses and and clinicians in a building. But it's still, when you're feeling the overwhelm of all that's happening, and you know, not having necessarily, uh, you know, the tools that you're aware of to address this stress and be able to kind of manage through it and, 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 and learn some techniques to help you get through these things, which, you know, what your, your work does. And congratulations, I should have said this earlier, on, on getting the, the CME accreditation. Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not easy. I know they're, they're, yeah. they, ask you, they ask you for your DNA and the DNA of, you know, 18 ancestors before you kind of thing. And it's, but that's for, you know, I understand why they do it, but still it's not an easy task. But the fact that you did is going to impact so many healthcare professionals mm -hmm. because they're going to be able to get one, their CMA credits, which they need to get, but also they're going to learn some techniques and, and skills that can help them rediscover the joy of medicine. And that's, that's what I love seeing with healthcare professionals when, when they are enjoying what they're doing and they, cause they, that, that's a skill. It's a gift, in my opinion, again, having worked in the sector as long as I did, I feel it's a gift for those that do this because going to medical school and learning all those things, not easy. That's a, that's a big, big commitment for people. And then practicing medicine and, and being exposed to someone presents, you're like, okay, what's going on? And they tell you and you got to diagnose and look and, and, and study and research and, and all the things that it takes to be a healthcare professional. It is not an easy role. But the fact that you know, your organization is helping these amazing human beings learn some techniques that they can reduce their stress and eliminate their burnout so they can um, get back to the joy of medicine and, and doing things. So I commend you both for 
taking a risk, you know, and, and putting in the time and effort when you, you know, we're both, you know, facing these challenges with your colleagues and, and launching this business that's going to have such a huge, huge impact on, on the healthcare sector, uh, not only oh, in, the, in the States, but across, across the globe. So where can people find out more about you in this amazing work that you're doing? Yeah, the best place is uh, the our website is Warren Wellness MD. It's W A R R E N Wellness MD.com. And then we're on just the normal social media avenues, however it is. But there's all the information about the conference. And I would encourage this is for healthcare professionals, but even if you're not going for CME, there's burnout through administration and different things like that that may not get CME credits, but it's it's really just it's information, I think, applicable to anyone. So if you're hearing this and you're like, well, I don't need CME. Well, that's okay. You're welcome. Anyway, <laughs> someone to bring your family. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. So yeah. I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So Rebecca, Tom, thank you for doing this. Thank you for being on the show and continued success with this very, very important endeavor that you've launched. Yeah. Thanks so much. You're so quick to, get to talk to you. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.